Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker's share from Sue was recorded on February 23rd, 2023. Wow. Hi, I'm Sue and I'm an adult child. I feel overwhelmed with a lot of emotion. (laughs) I didn't expect to feel this way. But to be greeted by so many friendly faces, oh, it's just delicious. felt really great. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be able to um, own my truth, have a willingness to look at who I am and where I came from, to face the pain and the joy, and um, to start to feel my feelings again. Probably my largest ACA symptom is numbness. I feel like I'm very expressive, so I think it would be hard for people to understand or see how numb I actually can be. But I think numbness is definitely, numbness and dissociation are my two uh, fallback positions. I'm going to say that dissociation has become my drug of choice. Um, It's so nice to fly away for a minute, um, but not helpful at all. So uh, I'm going to start at the beginning. I haven't really ever had an opportunity to fully tell my story in this way. And when I first came to ACA, the thing that I craved above all was to be heard and for someone to hear my story. I wanted, I craved more than anything for people or for a person to hold space for me, to look me in the eye and to hear about what happened to me and what it did to me and how it made me feel. And having this this chance to do this with so much time, I mean, it seems like a massive amount of time. It feels um, very luxurious and very abundant. I feel very grateful. Um, What I came here for is like happening for me now. What I asked for, what I let my higher power know that I needed, which was to be um, heard in my entirety is happening right now, which is incredible. So um, I'm calling in from the Hudson Valley in New York. I'm in a little tiny hamlet outside of Woodstock. Um, and I grew up in New York. I grew up in, uh, in Westchester County, uh, started out in Queens. And um, I was the first child of my parents, two children. My, my father subsequently went on to have another child. I have a half sister. And, you know, I've spent a tremendous amount of my life being incredibly angry and not understanding or having any um, real information to help me like sort out why I've been so pissed. I have just been pissed off a lot of my life. And, um, and getting, I, I was, as, as I continue to move forward in my ACA journey, my, I've been really blessed by my higher power to have information come to me about my origins and my family that I didn't know. And that's helped me feel the anger. And it's also helped me develop a type of compassion for my mother, who is um, my alcoholic qualifier that I never thought I'd be able to get to. So what felt like such painful information 
has been transformative. So um, I was, as I said, I'm the eldest of two, of three daughters um, to my father and two to my mother. Um, I didn't know until I was in ACA that at the time that my mother was pregnant with me in the late 1950s, she um, had ovarian cancer while she was pregnant with me. And I, I think about now in the year 2023, if somebody came to me and said, I've got ovarian cancer, my first um, instinct would be my bowels would turn to ice and I would feel nothing but fear for them. And I think about my mother in her 20s, um, being newly, relatively newly married to my dad and um, having her first pregnancy be nothing but a, a trauma bath. And I think about my, um, not my conception, but my gestation, the time that I was you know, growing in my mother's body, I feel like it, it had to be like a cortisol bath. I had to have been bathing and literally marinating in, in fear. And, um, and I had no idea that this is what happened to me until I was in my late fifties. And so all this time I was like, why is my mother such a bitch? Why is she so nasty? Why is she so angry? And I know from my own recovery that, um, underneath all anger for myself, what, what I've experienced, um, and all uh, bitterness is often fear. And I, and I look back at my mother's early days, and I know that she had to have been scared to death. So she had me, she had a series of um, uh, surgeries as a result of my birth, and then my sister's birth, and then taking care of the cancer. So that by the time my mother was 30 or 31, she had two children, She'd had a full hysterectomy, which meant that she was in um, medical menopause. And then when I was three and my sister was one, my dad um, contracted tuberculosis, went to Colorado and came back via Mexico with a divorce. And I never lived with him again. And she never lived with him again. And a year and a half later, she got breast cancer. So, um, so she just, and th this, this all happened before she started drinking. So it's just amazing to me like that I did not have this information and I was so angry at my mother and I didn't have the opportunity to feel the compassion of what it would meant to have this type of fear and to, uh, and to be so sick. So my dad left and my mother started drinking and um, she was enraged and she was bitter. She was inert. She didn't do much. She didn't care for us. She didn't feed us or clothe us or, clean the house or, you know, the day-to-day -day quotidian things that it takes to keep a family going, like none of that happened. So, uh, you know, we were kind of, after my parents separated, we moved into a little house and, you know, we were the house. I always say this when I qualify, I'm, I'm sorry to be so repetitive if anyone has heard this, but, um, which I'm sure they haven't, but uh, we were the house when when you pass by and in the street, we people would drive by and say, "There go, there go the property values." Because you could see what was happening on the outside of the house was that it was disintegrating, and what was happening on the inside of the house was that we were all disintegrating. And I don't know what would have happened if my dad had stayed around, if my mother hadn't had cancer. Her mother was a very, very, very progressed alcoholic at her death. Her mother died younger than I am. I think she was sixty when she died, and. Um, you know, she was living in a condemned house with literally the same thing, you know, the roof falling in, um, literal filth. Um, so that's where my mother came from. 
I think about um, the, the longer I stay in recovery, the more I know about trauma and the know I, more I know about how um, instability and not having settled, uh, having a settled life, not having the security of knowing that um, your family and your parents are able to take care of you. Um, it's incredibly, it's, it's, it's so damaging. It's what, it's why we're all here. The vast majority of us. I mean, there are certainly millions of situations that, that create an ACA, but I think a lot of it comes from emotional, um, emotional, um, instability and, and unavailability. So, um, because I was, my mom was, uh, uh, so sick when, when she was born, when I was born, I was, I think, in an incubator for three or five weeks. So as I continue to recover and I learn more about trauma, I understand about what it's like to have a baby and put a baby in a little glass box for three to five weeks and not have that interaction and that connection. And that I feel very deeply in my guts was the beginning of my first very deep primal abandonment. Um, It was physical. It was emotional. Um, and I think it's what instilled a very, very deep fear of um, being alone, of um, of not being cared for. And it's just interesting how that primal fear was instilled literally at birth. And then my family um, circumstances created um, a situation in which that's exactly the way I lived. So it was like became this self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, that that was that. It was, there was uh, a, lo- a lot of... Um, alcoholic insanity, a lot of people coming in and out of the house, a lot of craziness, you know, the, my mom's, you know, relatives coming in and, and, you know, descending on the house for four or six months at a time and the police coming and car wrecks and, you know, all the attendant things that go with active alcoholism in a family. And um, I myself had my first drink when I was about 12 and um didn't really drink again until I was 16, but then became myself alcoholic. But I was really blessed because uh, after 12 years of drinking alcoholically, um, really from the beginning, I um, I had the grace of hitting a, a nice hard bottom, like the kind of bottom that um, relieved me of any denial. Like I've, I've been sober since then, since I was 28. Um, and as a result, I've I, I've always known that I'm in the right place to to be in a place where people are sober and not drinking, and to support myself and other people in living a sober and healthy lifestyle. Um, and so, so yeah, childhood was painful. It was lonely. It was painful. It was chaotic. Um, what it instilled in me more than anything was a deep, deep sense of shame that we were different from the other people in the neighborhood. It was a nice middle-class neighborhood and we were absolutely not a nice middle-class family, not only economically, but just, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't living the dream. It was a lot of emotional pain. And um, so I found my, what I thought was a solution, which it was never, I never really thought it was a solution. I don't really think that alcohol and drugs ever really felt like a solution. I think it felt like um, gasoline on the fire actually, but it's what I did. And then, um, like I said, I came into recovery. I think about this a lot that I um, was in New York in the mid eighties through the early nineties when Tony A was in New York, um, essentially, you know, growing the ACA program. 
And I remember hearing about ACA and, and I, everybody says the same thing from those times when you hear somebody share about it. it was like the wild, wild west and people were fro- throwing chairs and it was overly emotional. It was crazy. And I think about what it had to have been like because we didn't really, we didn't have the big red book until 2006. And although we had the laundry list and, you know, there were, there were principles like having a solution in a book and not having that. It's hard to recover. And I can imagine to have, you know, to be in a room with all that kind of pain. So I remember in the late 80s, early 90s being like, oh man, this is the place for me. But I was too scared to go. I got to be honest. I often wonder like, wow, I wonder if I was ever in an AA meeting with Tony A. You never know. It's possible. Um, so, so I was blessed. I got sober and that pulled me out of the behavior that I had learned at home. Um, and I wish I could say that I had this remarkable experience of um, beginning to um, really understand what motivated me to act in the ways that I did. And I mean, the most important thing that happened was I stopped drinking and I developed um, a spiritual foundation in my life. <clears throat> without that, nothing could go forward. If I was still drinking, nothing could have happened. And I think without without the possibility of connecting with a higher power, I feel like my possibilities for emotional and spiritual growth would have been absolutely nil, if at all. So um, so I feel really blessed and really grateful. But I got to say, as I hear a lot in these rooms, that um, I was sober for a very, very, very long time and still felt um, off and um, disconnected and like an oddball. And sometimes I would say things like in social situations and I'd say to myself, Sue, what did you just say? You're such a weirdo. You know, I just, I just, you know, I, I took care of the symptom and thank God I took care of the symptom, but boy, those causes and conditions were still very deeply embedded inside of me. And, um, yeah, I just felt like a weirdo a lot of my life. I, I felt like, uh, uh, another classic thing that I've said for decades before I got to ACA was I like, I think that there's a guidebook here, but somehow I didn't get my copy and like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. And, you know, so um, that's what ACA has given me. I mean, ACA has given me a guidebook. I mean, I'm telling you, it's um, makes me very emotional to think about. I mean, it took a long while for me to get it, but I'll tell you one thing, I'll never let go of this guidebook, never under any circumstances, because it absolutely works for me. So anyway, so how did I get here? Um, I've kind of explained why I needed to get here. Um, so here I am in, you know, I don't know, I guess at this point, probably 26, 27, 28 years sober. I'm living in Brooklyn and um, a close friend of mine in uh, my home group started going to a meeting not far from me. And then she started one in my neighborhood. She started a meeting in my neighborhood. Prior to that, um, I guess about three years prior to that, I had I had a sponsee in AA who had um, said to me, I want to do some more work. And I said, well, we've run through the steps in AA. What do you want to do? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, why don't we get the big red book from ACA and read it out loud to each other over the phone? So it took us about a year and a half And we read the big red book cover to cover to each other. And it was like, forget a light bulb. It's like flash bulbs going off in my face. I remember when we first started reading, sometimes it would take us 40 minutes to get through a paragraph because it was so 
fertile. There was so much in there, you know, and I, I we would start a paragraph and I felt like I wanted to read it over and over and over and read a sentence over and over because I felt like I was finally being seen. I was being heard. I was being described. And I was felt so much of the aloneness that I felt of being an oddball started to fall away. Now I have to say, when I got to AA, I started to feel much less alone. And a lot of my loneliness started to fall away because I had a fellowship of, of, of people around me who were, we were all working towards a spiritual solution. And that was really helpful. But when I got to like ACA and I was able to talk about what happened to me as a kid and all that pain and, you know, talk about what happened to my sister and myself and how, um, how, you know, the type of the type of wounding that comes from neglect, you know, the 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 message is, is you're just not important enough to be cared for, for me to take the time to do for you what you need to have, you need to get in order to be okay as a child. And that was so deeply embedded inside of me. And it was so painful. Um, so yeah, to be able to come here, I, I think about, let me see if I can get these words right. I'm not sure if I can, but if I ask myself, like, what is it that I really want to achieve here? What do I want to do? Um, I'd like to get through, through the acts of self-acceptance and self-awareness. I'd love to arrive at the beginnings of self-love, deep, true self-love. And I know that until I accept myself, and I really look deeply into who I am and how I feel and what my, what my, how, you know, my baseline reactions are, I'm never going to get there. So that's what I feel is I'm starting to accomplish here. Um, so when I talked about how I grew up and how shameful it was, I was thinking, Hmm, what am I going to read today? And I looked at today's daily reader, the strengthening of my recovery. Um, and I thought, wow, this is an interesting, um, reading for today. In some ways, it felt like I was looking at the antidote to, sh to the shame that I felt of my childhood. So I'm going to read, it's page 56, February 23rd, in the Strengthening Our Recovery book. And uh, the title is One Day at a Time. We learn to restructure our sick thinking one day at a time, big red book, page 590. Recovery happens, sometimes whether we're completely conscious of it or not. We just have to keep coming back and doing the work one day at a time. It's amazing when we find we've been thinking about a type of situation that used to bother us and poof, it no longer had the same power over us. Maybe we encounter something that reminds us of the past, perhaps from our childhood, like how we looked at some classmates and wondered what it felt like to be in their shoes, envying them their seeming smoothness and ability to do everything right. The same one down mentality was what we carried into adulthood, substituting that popular kid for someone we work with or a neighbor or another parent. What we didn't realize was we were judging our insides by other, by other people's outsides. With the help of ACA and giving ourselves the time to work at our recovery, we realized that the sick thinking we carried around for so long is evaporating. We no longer look at, the, at things the same way. We think about that kid or those other people and suddenly understand the shift in our thought process. We see reality. Not that not everything is, a, is as it appears on the outside. We learn to look deeper, especially at ourselves. And the meditation is, on this day, I know that I am not now, nor have I ever been less than anyone else. And this also makes me want to cry. A lot of this stuff makes me want to cry. It makes me... Um, 
it gives me a deep sense of um, solace and comfort. So the, one of the first things that struck me when I read this this afternoon or this morning, this morning when I read it, pardon me, was that, um, uh, you know, I had a, 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 an amazing experience of having a therapist who was like remarkable. She was like rocket fuel for my recovery. I remember I would go to see her every week and I would come in every once in a while, I'd be coming and I'd be like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I can't remember anything we talk about one week for the next to the next, but I'm just feeling better. And I'm started. I don't get it. Like what's going on here. And she said, it's all happening on a subconscious level, all the change and all the thoughts that are coming together to stitch you back into wholeness are happening deep down below the surface. And that's what I feel like what's happening for me in ACA. You know, I got to AA, I put down the drink and the drugs and bam, that was a huge change in my life. All of a sudden I wasn't, uh, you know, stumbling and having accidents and, you know, a lot of the jerky behavior that I was engaging, it was just gone. And so that was like a big shift, but in ACA, it's so nuanced and it's so subtle and it's so, I mean, it really, really feels like on a cellular level that I'm slowly but surely becoming, um, I don't know if I'm going to say like the person I was supposed to, I'm just becoming, I don't know what I'm becoming. I'm becoming different. I'm becoming less afraid. And the shame doesn't rip me by the throat the way it used to. It doesn't, I'm not afraid. Um, it's almost like the higher power that I developed in my AA program dropped from my head into my gut. And that, what do they say? That's the longest 18 inches in the world from your head to your heart. And um, I feel very emotional. Um, Sorry, I'm surprised that I'm feeling so emotional, but um, I feel like that's, you know, what's happened for me is that as a result of coming to ACA and embracing myself as a full person, as an adult who has children that need to be tended to, that um, that I'm I'm starting to have a much deeper, profound um, faith and sense of support from my higher power. But the thing that really got me about this reading is that um, that it doesn't really matter what I think is going on and how people look. It's never what I think it's going to be, that everybody's always going through their own stuff. And, and the more I learn about trauma, the more I understand that most of us come from something. It's almost impossible to not have been traumatized in some way or another. And so when I look at people that look like they have it so together, and I'm sure that people look at me that way. I mean, I'm sober 36 years. A lot of the stuff that I did, I don't do it anymore. And my life is really great. I mean, it's not good. It's really great. And I generally feel really great. And I think a lot of it comes from letting go of that, that comparison, that compare and despair. Um, Yeah. So that feels so good to be able to rest in myself a little bit more. Um, so what I, I'm trying to think of like what I do to maintain this, um, my 11th step has in over the decades that I've been in recovery has expanded and contracted over time. There have been times in which I've had years of very disciplined, uh, 10th and 11th steps, um, in which I've taken daily inventory and I've prayed and meditated. And then there have been years of just my prayer being basically one of asking for guidance. And I feel like um, being an ACA has really like helped that because it's not, I'm not 
I'm not asking for behavioral changes anymore. I'm asking for internal emotional changes. I'm asking, I'm asking my higher power to guide me to where I need to be in order to be closest to myself and my higher power and the people around me. Um, somebody called me today and asked me if I had a, uh, a topic. And I was like, you know, I was thinking about curiosity. I was thinking about Tony A's second step about um, what it would be like to surrender enough for my higher power to bring me to clarity. And when I thought about being brought, I thought about this tender being carried, not dragged, kicking and screaming, but this kind of tender, loving, supportive way of being brought to something. And, um, and the idea of being clear and being curious and being open to what's around me, they all seem like they're very interwoven. And sometimes like when I'm afraid, like I could feel my heels, you know, um, I can't speak, uh, my heels like uh, go into the ground and I could feel my, my jaw clench and my fist clench and my sphincter clench. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 because I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to be wrong. I'm afraid I'm going to be seen to be vulnerable. I'm afraid I'm going to look like an idiot or whatever it is. And, um, and then if I'm lucky, my higher power through this process of bringing me to clarity, my jaw clenches, my fingers relax. I can be back in my body and open to what's going on around me and what's going on inside me, most importantly. So I was thinking about, you know, that is kind of like a daily a possibility for myself and my recovery, that I can remain open, that I can think, think about things differently. A lot of times people in uh, other programs, if they have a relapse, they'll say, well, what are you going to do differently? And I think to have this gentle openness and to seek this clarity is something that I'd like to do differently. I think because um, I have like kind of a dominant older sister personality, you know, my sister would often say to me, you're not always right. You don't always know everything. I'm like, oh, really? You know, like I need to let go of that. I need to be, I need to soften up and um, I need to be, to, to, to be curious. And, um, and ACA has given me the opportunity to look at a lot of different things, parts work and of course, inner child work. And the only way that that's successful is what, if, if I remain curious and, um, so that brings me to my inner kids. One of the one of the things that I'm grateful for is that when I first started looking at this program, I saw that um, I saw that the the gateway to the inner child is through the inner loving is through the loving parent. And you know, it took me a little while to to really fully understand what that meant because when I first came in and I heard people talking about their inner kids, I was like, how do I get? Where's my kids? How can I meet them? I gotta talk to them. I gotta take care of them. Where are these kids? And like, no kids were showing up. I was like, damn, I must not have any kids. And then I read that and I was like, oh, but this is something that you can cultivate, Sue. Like, this is something that you can cultivate in yourself. This opportunity or this 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 way of approaching myself in which I can just gentle up to begin with. Just Start by being gentle. Stop mercilessly self-flagellating and beating my, the crap out of myself. I start with that. And then um, and then think about what does it mean for myself to be a, a loving parent? Like uh, it was recommended that I visualize. It's recommended in the book, like, I don't know, people in movies or books or, you know, people, you know, and I got to be honest, I couldn't come up with anyone. 
but I still could slowly but surely develop this sense inside myself of like, what it's nice to be nice to myself and not, not treat myself like I'm a piece of shit, you know, treat myself nicely, not, not look at myself as though I'm, I'm uh, something that has to be corralled or managed or, or, or put in its place. And instead something um, I, I could be someone or something that um, deserves to be tended to and deserves to be attended. And as someone who was neglected as a child, I craved being attended to. I wanted attention and I wanted to be attended to. So I slowly but surely like started focusing instead of on my kids on this concept of having an inner loving parent. And that really worked for me. I don't know. It really worked for me. I've had a couple of um, really massive experiences in which I was just emotionally brought to my knees by circumstances in my life. And having had sufficient exposure over time to this program, I don't know. I just took care of myself. I mothered myself. I parented myself. And I remember afterwards, there were three big kind of traumatic experiences that I've had in the time that I've been in ACA. And I just, it's amazing what happened. I just went home and took care of myself. Um, And I cried. And there's something about the way that I perceive my children my myself as my children is that I see myself in two-year increments. I see myself at six. I see myself at eight. I see myself at 10, 12, 14, and 16. And I have these like little visual cues of how I was like at six and eight, I was like gangly and long and tall and skinny and, you know, all over the place. And then you know, at 14, I was in 16, I was stoned and sullen and smoking cigarettes and lurking and, you know, feeling so weird. And, um, and to, and to be able to touch these parts of myself and care for these parts of myself are, it's just the most amazing experience I've ever had. I don't think that there's anything I can do in my life that's more important than parenting myself. And when I I first got my big red book, I remember getting the book, opening up to the, um, to the, to the table of contents and going down and say, oh my God, page 295, chapter eight, the solution, becoming your own loving parent. I was like, damn, that sounds like that's going to work. I don't, I don't know. I just read that one sentence. I had no reason to believe it was going to work. I hadn't even been to an ACA meeting yet, but I was like, oh, I like that solution. I don't even know what it means, but I like that. I think that's going to work. 10 minutes. Thank you. Perfect. And it has worked. I can't believe I've spoken so much. Um, so, yeah, so to have this kind of tender, loving way to interact with myself, I, number one, I didn't even realize I could interact with myself in any way. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I must have been emotionally stunted, but I just didn't understand that I could take care of myself in this in any way. Um, so, yeah, parenting myself is just, wow, what a tool. And then I do, you know, all the other tools I've, I've been through the um, I've, I've done the, the the yellow step book. I've done the traits book. I'm I'm now in the process of doing the um, the um, loving parent guidebook with a group. And um, I've been with one group for seven or eight years. We we've actually done a lot of unbelievable work together. And we do it on the phone. I'm often in the bathtub. Me and my kids, I'm at the tub with my book. And my dogs are sitting outside the tub. I have three miniature dachshunds. They're waiting for me to come out. Mom, what are you doing? Come out of the tub. You're, you're pickled already. You're pruny. Come out. And it feels like such a safe thing to be able to do, to be able to take care of myself and my kids and to continue to recover in a way that feels good. Um, I got a bunch of travel, uh, you know, fellow travelers. I've you know, since I've been sober for so long, I've got a lot of AA sponsees and I brought the lion's share of them into ACA with me. 
Of course, I've heard their stories. I knew who they were. So I knew how much this program could help them. And it's just been remarkable. It's like it says in the big book of AA that, you know, fellowship will grow up among, among you. And that's what's happened um, in ACA. I, I'm starting to have a fellowship that feels really, really good. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I speak at meetings. I, I happen to read the literature quite often. Um, I developed this bizarro uh, recovery uh, tick. And I've started to read ACA-related books, not conference-approved, with um, fellows over the phone. I've been doing that for three or four years, and I've, I'll read with four, five, six people a week. I mean, you know, all we've gone through all the greatest hits of trauma and ACA-related recovery books, and it's been amazing. I find, see, I never would have figured this out for myself that that I do best, you know, like interacting with people one-on-one and giving myself a chance to talk about things. Like I, you know, I read thousands of books, but I really absorb a book and I really have like a, an emotional tag that brings me back to it when I have that experience with another person who's also recovering. That's been amazing. It's a lot of time, but it's a lot of fun. Oh my God, it's so much fun. It's a real path to intimacy to myself and others, which is crazy. It's really a crazy thing. Um, so I also kind of wanted to, towards the end of this, I wanted to um, think about and talk about what I'm really working on in myself. Um, out of all the traits, the one that causes me the most trouble is the last one, which is power alcoholics are reactors rather than actors. Man, <laughs> self-control when I get triggered is not my strong point. I have a potty mouth and I get, I turn street instantaneously. I get nasty, especially with the people that I feel most safe with my partner, my sister, my mother, when she was alive, my father, I was too afraid of. I was never, I, was, uh, I never said anything. I could never lose it with him. I was too guarded, but um, so, you know, there's a page in the big book in AA it's page 52. It's there's a whole list of things that are a description of unrecovered alcoholism. It's called the bedevilments. And one of them is we couldn't control our emotional natures. And whenever I read that, I felt so ashamed of myself. Here I am sober for so long and really having a good understanding of this program. And man, I just can't keep my mouth shut. Like, you know, I get, I get poked and I'm like, ah, come after, come after others and my, and, and even myself. And I felt really embarrassed i i could humiliate myself and i was i was ashamed of the fact that sometimes i interacted with others and my way and, and myself that way um yeah totally it's, i gotta say it's totally freaked me out but as i as i continue to recover in this program and i look at myself as a threefold thing as physical mental and spiritual i realize oh What's really going on here? Am I an asshole? I don't think I'm an asshole. I think what I am is that I've got a nervous system that's incapable of taking that type of stimulation. And I go into fear mode. And I I, I thought that I was a freezer. And um, and and I thought I was a, 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 a flighter. But I think I'm a fighter. <laughs> and so that's what comes up for me. And instead of like you know, mercilessly beating myself for the fact that I can't control my emotional nature, I can sit in the grace of knowing that this was the body that I was given. And these were the circumstances that created this type of um, neuro neurological setup for myself. And that I don't need to be ashamed of the fact that sometimes I can't control myself when I get triggered. It's, it's, it's not resentment. That's my, that's the greatest offender for me. It's, 
emotional triggering that's that's the greatest offender for me and I need to like give myself some grace that also makes me feel very emotional that I can be good to myself and understand that five minutes thanks Gretchen that um like I'm not malicious I just I just am hurt like I'm hurt really deep down inside and hurt people hurt people and uh, thank God I don't do it often. I think God, my, my partner like knows at this point. He, he ignores me. <laughs> He's a very smart guy. So um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's. So I want. I guess what I want to say about that trait is that I'm going to commit right now to not work on that. I'm not going to work on that trait. I'm going to let myself off the hook on that trait. I'm going to get let myself off the hook. I'm going to um, take care of those little girls inside me who need so much attention and nurturing and love and tenderness. They need a lot of attent- attention and a lot of tenderness. And I'm going to give that to them. I'm going to continue to focus on that. And when I react instead of act, which is, it's not, it's not, it's not if I react instead of react, it's when I react instead of going to react, because I have this neurology set up this way. I'm going to hopefully pull back and not, and not call myself a jerk and understand that I've got these kids that need to be tended to and loved and just loved up. And that, you know, my body is set up against being calm, cool, and collected. This is my thing. I'm not ever going to, that's just not ever going to be anything that I'm going to be is calm, cool, and collected. Oh, I should have brought a tissue. So anyway, I think I'm done. Thanks for letting me share.